we're going to jump into our message. And uh, as we begin our message today, I want to ask you, what does worry look like for you? What does worry look like for you? All of us experience worry at different times in our lives. Many of us, as we've talked about already through today's service, uh, wrestling with a bunch of things that might be worrying us today. What does that actually look like for you, though? Because it comes out in all sorts of different ways for us. For some of us, it means that we go into full tilt mode. We go frantic, go into a frenzy of activity. If I can just make sure that everything gets done and everything gets covered off, That'll make me feel better and I'll feel like everything's under control, even if those things aren't related to the thing that I'm actually worrying about. I can just get lots done and then I might feel better. For others of us, worry comes out in a sense of frustration. We just feel this sense of being on edge, we feel really irritated and irritated about lots of little things. We're not even sure why we're irritated about some of the things that we are. And again, they're not necessarily related to what we're actually worried about, but just internally there's this going on for us. For some of us, when we experience worry, we choose to try and distract ourselves. So we might procrastinate, uh, we might choose to get lost in other things that we can do, or we might choose to numb ourselves and just try and not think about it. I'll just block it out with some other stuff that isn't really relevant at all, but at least it'll make me stop worrying. And for some of us, we end up just feeling overwhelmed, just lost, paralysed with what it is that's making us worry, paralysed with a sense of fear about what may or may not happen. We're all affected by worry in so many different ways. And so today as we continue our series where we're looking at what I've called Jesus' greatest hits, some of Jesus' most powerful and transformative teaching, today we're going to talk about what Jesus has to say about worry because it is something that all of us experience and something that's really important for us to lean into. So if you've got your Bible with you, uh, you can open up to Matthew chapter 6 and uh, hopefully you also grabbed a copy of the teaching notes on the way in and uh, so you can drop things as we go through today's message. So Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Jesus says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today, and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So Jesus' first question to us when we encounter worry is whether we are willing to trust God for our everyday needs. And these are very practical things that Jesus is talking about here. Food, drink, clothing. Jesus says that we shouldn't worry about these things. Now we could kind of understand if Jesus said not to worry about lavish or extravagant things. People are like, Jesus, I'm so worried about why it is that I can't buy a Porsche. We could understand why Jesus might push back on that. If we were coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I'm so worried about why it is that I can't have a body like a supermodel or like Chris Hemsworth, we would understand Jesus pushing back against that. If we came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm so worried about why my investment portfolio hasn't got a billion dollars in it, we could understand why Jesus might push back against that. But it's probably reasonable for us to question Jesus and say, uh, isn't it okay for us to worry about the basics of life? Shouldn't it be okay for us to worry about whether we'll have enough to eat 
whether we'll have enough to drink, whether we'll have clothes to wear. Isn't that a reasonable thing? Well, older translations of this verse use the, word, the phrase, take no thought, instead of the word worry. Take no thought instead of the word worry, which really helps us to understand what Jesus is trying to get at here. Because when we think about the idea of take no thought, Jesus is really saying don't give a second thought to these things. Or another way that we might phrase it is to say don't overthink these things. Of course, it's understandable for us to worry about things, particularly the things that are the basics of life. That makes perfect sense. But if we find ourselves starting to give things a second thought and then a third thought and then a fourth thought and we find ourselves obsessing about these things and overthinking these things, that's where Jesus is saying, don't worry, don't overthink it. Why are you obsessing about these And then Jesus says something that seems a little confronting. In the second half of verse 30, Jesus says, why do you have so little faith? And this is where it's so hard because we're reading words on a page and so we can very easily project into what Jesus might be saying. And I think for many of us, when we read something like that, we take it as Jesus kind of pushing back and saying, why do you have so little faith? What's wrong with you? Seriously? Like, why can't you just trust And again, we feel reasonable in pushing back and saying, Jesus, we need these things. That's why we don't trust. That's why we're struggling with this. But I think a helpful image for us in terms of the tone that Jesus is probably using is to think about an image that Jesus does often use of a child and a parent. If we imagine a child coming to a parent and saying, I'm really worried about whether we're going to have enough food to eat. I'm really worried about whether we've got enough food in the pantry. Or, if we take that to its extreme, if a child stayed up all night and then in the morning came out and saw their parent and said, I couldn't sleep last night, I was really worried about whether there was going to be enough for breakfast, what sort of tone do you think that the parent would have with the child? Probably the parent would say something like, it's okay, trust me. And that's what Jesus is trying to say in this. He's not saying, what's wrong with you? Why don't you have more faith? He's saying, no, it's okay. Trust me. Trust me. Of course I'm going to look after you and care for you. And Jesus uses a couple of very interesting examples. And this is where we remind ourselves that Jesus was probably was out uh, up on a mountain, out on a hillside as he was sharing this information with the people who he was talking to. And so you can imagine a flock of birds going past and Jesus pointing at them and saying, do you see those birds? Have you ever seen a bird go hungry? Have you ever seen a bird walking around holding its stomach? Oh, I'm so hungry. I haven't got anything to eat. No, look at the birds. You see them. They're looked after all the time. And we can imagine Jesus kind of pointing out a huge field full of flowers and saying, have you ever walked past a field of flowers and thought, meh, it's a bit bland, a bit boring, not very interesting? No, look how beautiful they are. And so Jesus says, if God cares so much about birds... And God cares so much about flowers, don't you think that he cares about you? And we can take that a step further and recognise if God is the one who we believe gives us life, and if God is the one who we believe has created us and created our bodies, can't we trust God to look after these lives that he's given us and to give us enough to keep living Trust God to look after the bodies that he's given us and to give us clothing to be able to wear. Jesus is challenging us. Think about how much God loves you. Think about how much God cares for you. 
trust, trust. Now, it's an important note that this doesn't mean that God wants us to be lazy. Jesus is not saying, so don't do anything. Just sit back and hope that food is going to be delivered to your door and put on your table every day without you needing to do anything at all. Here again, we can recognise that the birds don't just kind of sit around all day with their mouths open hoping that worms are going to rain down from the sky. They go and have to get the food that they have to go and get. And so we recognise that the work that we have comes from God, that God calls us to work so that we can do the things that we do, that the savings that we've got come from us making conscious choices about putting money aside, that the benefits that we receive from the government are because of people working hard and paying their taxes so that we have the benefits that we have. So there's an element of us being responsible and doing what we can in the midst of all of this but trusting that ultimately God is going to provide for us and provide for the basic needs that we've got. I should also just mention this little gem that Jesus throws in in the middle of verse 27, where he says, Can worrying about these things, again, remember, overthinking these things, add a single moment to your life? It's a great reminder that we now know that worry and stress certainly doesn't add anything to our lives. In fact, it generally takes away from our lives takes away from our standard of life that we experience and often it can actually literally take life away from us, that stress and anxiety and worry can actually mean that our lives are shortened. And so Jesus says, is overthinking things actually helping you in terms of living your lives? So he then says in verse 31, so don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Here Jesus challenges us about whether we actually trust that God is real. Do we live in a way that's different to people who are called unbelievers, to people who don't believe that there is a God that exists? Do we show a greater sense of faith, of trust in something that's bigger than ourselves? Or if we're honest and we look at the way that we approach worry, do we function the same as the people around us who don't believe that there is a God at all or don't believe that there is a God who loves them and cares for them? Is there something different about us because of what Jesus has shown us about who God is? Is there something different about us because we're people who say that we follow Jesus? And again, Jesus' tone here is sadness and pity rather than a sense of judgment. How sad it is that people who don't know anything about God chase after these things. But what else are they going to think about? They believe that this life is all that there is. And so it makes perfect sense that they would be worried about the things of this life. But why would we act that way? Why would we think that way when we know that we've got a Heavenly Father who loves us? who cares for us and who wants to provide for us. So what does Jesus say that we should do instead of worrying? Well, verse 33, Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Here again, Jesus is asking us another trust question. Do we trust that Jesus' way of life is enough and do we trust that a relationship with God is enough? for us. 
When we talk about the kingdom, we're always talking about life the way that God created it to be. Life the way that Jesus showed us that we should live. So Jesus says, are we seeking the kingdom? Are we seeking his way of life first? And living righteously is about that sense of righteousness, which we've talked about before, is a right relationship, a full relationship, a complete relationship with a healthy sense of dependence. Because when we put Jesus first, and when we recognise that we've got a full, complete relationship with God, often our perspectives and our perceptions end up changing. And so we recognise that, of course, God's going to give us everything we need when we put him first. It is important to remind ourselves that Jesus doesn't say we will get everything we want. He says we'll get everything that we need. But even what we understand as our needs starts to shift when we put Jesus first and when we put our relationship with God first. I came across this really helpful image as I was uh, preparing this week about whether we see God as a spare tyre or as a battery. Do we see God as a spare tyre or a battery? Do we see God as something that we use when we get in trouble or something that we see as the first thing that we focus on? When you think about a spare tyre, it's there just in case. And what happens when you get a flat tyre? A lot of head scratching. It's like, where is the spare tyre again? It's in the boot, that's right. How do I, get, how do I lift this thing up and how do I get it out? And what's this jack thing? How does this work? Where am I supposed to put it on the car? And then eventually work it out, hopefully, and undo the tyre and then put the other one on. And there's so many questions because we really only use it when everything goes sideways. It's there effectively as an afterthought And when the time comes, we're like, how do I do this again? That's very different to thinking about God as a battery. We recognise that a battery is the power source of everything in our cars. So when we turn the key, what's the first thing that happens? The battery kicks in. So do we see God as something that is a backup plan or the first thing that we focus on that gives us the power that we need? Now, obviously, there's a small flaw in this analogy because God never runs out of power like a battery does. But I think it's helpful to be able to recognise. Do we see God as just there when we need him, when everything goes wrong? Or do we recognise that God is the essence of the power that we need, putting him first in everything that we do and trusting that he has more than enough for us to be able to function the way that he wants us to function? Jesus finishes in verse 34. By saying, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So here Jesus says, do we trust God not with what's coming in the future, but with what's right in front of us? And the phrase that Jesus uses here is actually giving tomorrow a persona. So we can kind of imagine Jesus saying, Mr. Tomorrow is looking after all of tomorrow's worries. He's got them well and truly under control. So are you trying to take your worries back from Mr. Tomorrow? Or are you recognising that today there's more than enough to focus on and so just do that? Don't give a second and a third and a fourth thought to what Mr. Tomorrow is focused on. Don't overthink about what Mr. Tomorrow is up to. Just focus on what's right in front of you and the next thing that you're called to do. Now, again, it's important to recognise this doesn't mean that we never think about tomorrow and we never plan and we never think ahead. Part of what we can focus on today is planning for the future, and that's perfectly fine. 
what Jesus is challenging is when we overthink about what that looks like, and particularly when we start to obsess about things that may or may not end up happening, that's where we need to zoom back in. What's Jesus saying right now? One of the commentaries that I looked at this week had this awesome quote that I think sums all of this up so perfectly well. Jesus presents evidence that worry is irreverent, for it fails to recognise the God who gave us life and is sustaining it. Worry is irrelevant. It doesn't change things, nor does it help us in coping with problems. And worry is irresponsible. It burns up psychic energy without using it to apply constructive action to the problem. That's such a helpful reminder about what worry isn't. It's really not that helpful for us. And instead, Jesus calls us to trust. All of us encounter challenges every single day. Often we experience multiple challenges every day. Things that come across our path, and it's always tempting to worry about those things, to give them a second thought, to give them a third thought, a fourth thought, to obsess and overthink them. Jesus' challenge to us is to say, are we willing to come to him and to receive his perspective and to hand those things over to him and to say, Jesus, I give these worries to you. Help me to trust you. Help me to put you first. So I want to give us an opportunity to be able to think practically about what that looks like. Right now, this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to pause and to search yourself and to be honest with yourself. What are the things today that you're worrying about? What are the things that you're overthinking if you're honest about that? And if nothing comes to mind, I want to encourage you to start thinking about what Mr Tomorrow's got in store for you heading into the rest of this week. And I'm sure that something will probably present. But what are the things that are there for you that you're overthinking, that you're worrying about, that Jesus is asking you to trust him with? During this time, I encourage you to think about what it looks like to hand those things over to Jesus. You may even like to do something physical where you put your hands out And effectively say, Jesus, I hand these things over to you. Help me to trust you and help me to trust you with them. Let's take some time to reflect and hand those things over to Jesus. And then we'll take some time to pray.
Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you already know all of the things that we're worried about, that we're anxious about, that we're overthinking today. Recognise that so many of those things are not small, irrelevant things that aren't important. But for many of us, there are really significant things that are on our hearts and minds this morning. And thank you that you accept us and you embrace us. You wrap your arms around us as we navigate through those challenges that are in front of us. But thank you that you also call us to trust. To not sit in a place where we obsess about those things, where we overthink them, where they end up dragging us away from you. But your call to us is to be reminded about what you think of us, about what our Heavenly Father thinks of us, of everything that you've done for us. And that gentle challenge to recognise if you've done all of that, to accept us and embrace us, to welcome us into your family, to do everything that we need, why would you not take care of us? So I pray that you would help us to be able to hand these things over to you, the things that are on our hearts, the things that are on our minds this morning, the things that we know we're really, really struggling with, the things that are getting in the way of us being able to put you first in our lives. I pray that you would help us to release them to you and to allow ourselves to focus today on what it means to follow you authentically, to put you first in our lives and to trust that all the rest will take care of itself. In your name we pray. Amen.